0: Tonight, I'm going to start a new series. Now, remember, these Wednesday night series, we're talking along the lines of faith and healing. We've been dealing with divine healing for several weeks. We're going to jump back into that. Actually, we're going to talk about healing tonight, but we're going to talk about it in relation to faith. Now, remember faith. How important is faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to receive anything from God. Right, We receive everything from God through faith. Everything that he's given us by his grace, we receive through faith. But faith, we use this term in our circles. We talk about, well, you got to stand on the word, stand in faith. And I wonder what people think who are new to this. we got to get ready, guys, because i got to tell you, the Lord didn't have us put all these seats in here for them to be empty. Well, they're going to be filled with people that are going to be like, stand in faith. What, well, what does that mean? But in reality, there's so many of seasoned, so-called seasoned believers that don't know what it means to stand in faith. So we're going to spend some time on this. We're going to, the new series is we're going to talk about how to stand in faith. Because you stand in faith and you receive all the promises of God. God wants you To walk in his blessings the blessings of your salvation he wants you to walk in them not in theory but experientially he wants you to learn how to lay hold of the blessing of God and pull it from this unseen realm into your life you're not to be you'll never be able to make all the money that you're gonna need to make to fulfill the plan of God for your life in your own ability you'll have to do it beyond your ability if you're retired and you've stepped away from a career, your income is not supposed to level out. It's supposed to increase. Well, why is that? Because you're growing and you're learning. You're learning how to walk in the blessing of God. All the time. So go to, go to Isaiah chapter 5. I had to talk to find out where to go. So we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 5. The number one probably hindrance to standing in faith, I would say it's got to be at the top of the list, is a lack of knowledge of God's word. And when I say a lack of knowledge, I mean Bible knowledge. So let's look at this. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 13, it says right at the beginning of this verse, therefore my people are gone into captivity. That means they are literally taken into exile why because they have no knowledge and it's the hebrew word daat it literally means it doesn't it doesn't mean natural knowledge it means discernment because they have no discernment what does that mean because they have no knowledge that has been revealed by the Holy Spirit. See, we could understand this verse as we look at it through the light of the New Testament. Knowing that the Holy Spirit, Psalm 119, verse 130, what does it say? The entrance of your word brings light. That's revelation. We're going to go through some basics of faith, but as you peer into them, you'll go deeper into it it's not about what you know it's what you discern or what you see and know and only the holy spirit can bring that my people are taken into exile because they're not discerning the word of god isn't that interesting don't we need the holy spirit we can't see this without it you know a long time ago um, I heard this statement, there, and I don't know where it was done, but there was a study that concluded, and I know Bill Gates was big in bringing this out, but he said, in order to master a subject, it takes about 10,000 hours of very concentrated, focused study. And we have a lot of people that are studying a lot of things, but could you imagine becoming a master of being able to stand in faith a master in being able to discern and see and know and rightly divide god's word so if you think about that ten hours that's about 20 hours a week for about 10 years and you think well you know i don't have 20 hours a week i only have maybe 10 hours a week now if you think about okay so i'm a viable part of my church family so between Sunday service and a Wednesday service and maybe a Bible study of men's or women's ministry, whatever, you're going to spend anywhere from travel time and everything, maybe four to six hours. And all that would be concentrated. I hope when you get off work on a Wednesday night, you start preparing yourself for church because God has something he wants to deposit in you. And it's not based on what he wants, though. It's based on what you could receive. So if you look at that six hours, that leaves about 14 hours. So if you spent two hours a day with God, in His Word, with Him, in ten years, you could be a master of the Word of God. If you you don't have 20 hours, you only have 10 hours, it might take you 20 years. You're going to live for 20 years anyway. You're going to live for 10 years anyway. You might as well be growing. Because here's the real secret. It really... Now, I... I haven't calculated all the hours, but I got to tell you, I'm way beyond 10,000 hours. But, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know because he's so big. Amen. And, and it's so awesome because you get so excited because you realize everything that I need to know, I'll always know. Because I have the Holy Spirit with me and he'll guide me into all the truth of everything I need to know. So, this is a big scripture. Let's go to Hosea. Hosea chapter 4. Towards the end of the Old Testament. Hosea chapter 4. In verse 6, it goes on to say this. In Hosea 4, 6, My people are destroyed. It's the Hebrew word dama. It means they are silenced Cut off and destroyed. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The same word knowledge, da'at. It means revealed knowledge. It means to discern it, to see it and to know it. Knowledge revealed by the Holy Spirit. My people are destroyed. My people are silenced and cut off because they're not discerning the word of God isn't that interesting so if you if you discern the word of god that means if you submit your life to god's word and allow the holy spirit you put it first place and we're going to talk about that you're not going to be destroyed this is huge you're not going to be silenced because this word destroyed this is huge silenced You cannot take advantage of the covenant that we have with God. You can't take advantage of the word of God if you're silenced. Because our covenant is tied to our words. We have to, faith has to be in two places, right? God's word has to be in two places for you to be in faith. It has to be in your heart and it has to be coming out of your mouth. Well, if you don't see the word of God, you won't say the word of God. You always say what you see. So to stand in faith, you're going to have to walk in a constant revelation where you see and understand God's word in relation to healing. You're going to have to see that. And if you see it, then you're not going to be quiet. You're going to speak. Father, I thank you that I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. Now, lying symptom in my body, you leave in Jesus' name. Satan, I bind you. I shut you down. I cancel every assignment that you have against my physical body because it is written, whatever I bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. right now, God is backing up what I'm saying. So you take your hands off my body. Body, I command you to come in line. See, I'm speaking. Why do I do that? Because I see the Word of God. Why can I see it? Because I'm so good? No. Because I went to Bible school? Oh, no. You go to Bible school your whole life and not see anything. It's all about submitting to the Word of God. I mean, this, this is a huge thing. Our covenant is tied to what we speak. Our covenant is all about confession. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And then he says, because you've rejected knowledge, I'm also going to reject you. And then it goes on in the context of what it's talking about. The principle is right here. You're destroyed by a lack of knowledge. Isn't that interesting? Well, we we don't have a lack of knowledge. I could tell you, sitting here, you know a whole lot more than you think you know. And if you'll, if you'll literally just stick with it, keep your eyes in front of the Word, are, are, you, are you hungry for the things of God? If you weren't, you wouldn't be here. You just wouldn't be here, but you're hungry for the things of God. This Word occurs 91 times in the Old Testament, 40 times in the book of Proverbs alone. That's how huge this is. So now let's go to the New Testament here. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 12. And now in 1 Timothy six twelve, you've got to understand, this is Paul who's writing a letter to a young pastor, Timothy. Now Paul, when he's writing this letter, is towards the end of his life. And he has learned how to fight the good fight of faith. And so now, he is coming from experience, and he's telling this pastor. Now, Timothy is born again. He's spirit-filled. He's a tongue-talking, spirit-filled believer. And this is who Paul's writing to. And he says this in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life life well now wait a minute wait a minute timothy's already saved so why would somebody who's saved have to lay hold on eternal life eternal life has to mean a lot more than just i'm saved because he's already saved he already laid hold of that so it's got to mean something else right fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. Wow. Well, first of all, if I have to fight the good fight of faith, we know it's a good fight because we always win. Because Jesus already won, we always win. So it's a good fight. But also because it's a fight, that tells me there's going to be opposition. There's going to be things trying to get me to, to stop fighting the good fight of faith, right? So let's look at this. Lay hold on eternal life. It has to do more with more than just accepting Christ. Laying hold of eternal life is literally laying hold of the blessings of salvation. What is that? Well, yes, that's eternal life. That means we're going to go to heaven. That's great. But, you know, my life in heaven, that's awesome. But I'm, I'm really more concerned about my life right now. Right? And when you look at the Abrahamic covenant, if you go back, I mean, God told Abraham, he said, listen, if you'll go where I tell you to go, I'll, I'll make you rich. The blessing of Abraham is I'm going to do what? I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to, I'm going to increase your influence. I'm going to make your name great so that you could be a blessing. And God did that with Abraham. The next chapter, chapter 13 of Genesis, it tells us that Abraham was well; was rich. God made him rich. Later on, when Abraham sent a servant to go get Isaac a wife, the servant found the wife for Isaac at the parents' house. He said, he told the parents, my, you know, I, I'm the servant, and my master Abram, he, God made him rich. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. That's talking about natural blessings. But Abraham was a natural man. There are natural blessings associated with salvation. We talked about it already during the offering. God wants you prospering and increasing financially. God wants your body healed. There's so many blessings of God in the Word of God, but in order to lay hold of the blessings of your salvation, you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. This is huge. See, all these enemies of faith are connected with a lack of revealed knowledge of the Word of God. Satan does not want you, he he does not want you to see this Word because it'll change your life. He'll try to cut you off from anybody or anything that will will get the Word to you. So you have to be careful. Because, you know, you don't want to walk, stand, or sit in certain places or you can't be blessed, according to Psalm one right? Present tense, Romans 10-17, present tense knowledge of God's Word does what? That's what brings faith into your life. Present tense knowledge, revealed knowledge, faith comes only one way, by hearing God's Word. This is so much, this is so important. We lay hold of the blessing of salvation. How? By fighting the good fight of faith. And it says, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou, also are, that thou, thou art also called. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you are called to walk in the blessings of salvation. I'm called to be a pastor. But I'm also called to walk in the blessings of salvation. Isn't that wild? God has called me to do it. Religion will say, well, that's ridiculous. You know, you're you're just focused on money. Oh, no, no, no. You can't walk in the blessing of God if you're focused on money. You, you, You walk in the blessing of God seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he adds it. But I'm called to walk in these blessings. Everything I need in life, I am called to walk in all of it. And then he finishes up where he tells Timothy and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. What this means is Paul is going, Hey, listen, Timothy, you've been preaching the word, you've been professing some great things about walking by faith, walking in the blessing of God. Now, Timothy, make sure you are living it. You are called. To live what you are preaching. In other words, Timothy, you walk in the overflow and minister out of the overflow of your personal walk with the Lord. You take the word of God and you make it yours. And then you'll be able to give it to others. This isn't a fake it till you make it thing. Right? No, no. This is walking in the blessing of God. We stand in faith. So, how do I do this? If I stop right here, fight the good fight of faith, great. What in the world does that mean? Do I go to a gym and, you know, and and start sparring and doing this stuff? No. What is the good fight of faith? Now, Ephesians chapter 6 will tell us exactly what it is. So turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, and let's look at this. Verse 10. Look at what this says. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Now this book, this letter that was written, that we call the book of Ephesians, is filled with doctrine. But at the end of the book, Paul says, finally my brethren. And this Greek phrase, finally my brethren, can be literally translated in the Greek, now to the most important thing at hand. Paul is saying, if you didn't get anything else, you got to get this. This is the most important thing that I'm going to say. And then he says it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. There's one thing that you'll never read in the Bible. It never tells you to be strong in yourself. Ever. We are only to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I love that word might because it literally means his ability. Well, what is the ability of God? That's the grace of God. The grace of God is his ability. I, I, how strong am I? You'd have to, if I'm in the right place, you have to answer that question, how strong is God? Because I'm to be strong in the Lord. My strength is in the Lord. And in the very power, the kratos power of his ability. I'm never to face anything in my own ability. That's why the walk of faith is a rest. I cease from my own works. I only work out what he's working in. I go where he tells me to go. I say what he tells me to say. Right? I say what he tells me to say, and then I'll have what he says. So I'm to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want you to see a picture of this. Go, hold your finger here in Ephesians because we're going to keep going through this. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to I show you an example in Paul's life. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. Don't you love getting in the word? Man, I love the word of God. See, there's anointing in this. I'm telling you, if you came in here with burdens, the the anointing on the word will lift them and destroy them so that they never bother you again. So here's Paul. It says, well, let me just read it in context. In verse 7, Paul says this, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure..." Through the abundance of the revelations. Paul's saying, unless I be exalted beyond what a human being should be exalted because of all these revelations I've been given in God. Look at what it says. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now all through the scripture, a thorn in the flesh, you could see it in the Old Testament, was always things, people that would come against to stop the plan of God. That's what a thorn in the flesh was. So it says here, A thorn in the flesh, and then it tells you what this thorn in the flesh was. A messenger of Satan. And it says, to buffet me. So you could see that word buffet means blow after blow after blow after blow. And you can see that happening in Paul's life. This is what was happening. He'd run over here. He'd start preaching the gospel. Some things would start happening. People would get riled up, and they'd drag him outside and stone him. They'd want to be, they'd drag him to court. They'd throw him in jail, they'd drag him and put his arms around a a whipping post and whip him, beat him with rods. And, And Paul's just like, I mean, can I go anywhere and do anything without everybody just getting ticked at me? So he goes to the Lord three times, Lord, please, can you take this messenger of Satan away from me? And just like it says in 1 John chapter 5, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Which really strongly insinuates if we ask anything that's not according to his will. Doesn't hear us. So Paul would hear crickets when he'd pray that. (laughs) Right? Notice it never said that God said no. He asked him three times. And then he said for this cause in verse 8. I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. It. Now. If you look at the Greek word, it shouldn't say it. it. It literally is rendered he. That he might depart from me. Well, who's the he? The messenger of, this is really deep spiritually, Satan. Right? I mean, it's pretty simple. And then God said to him after three times, you could just, you could just, see, you could just see God, okay. He's not getting it. Right? So he's like, hey, Paul. And this is what he does with us if we don't get it. The Lord told me one time, he goes, Tony, if you ask me a question and I don't tell you the answer, it's not the right question. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, what? So he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength, Paul, is made perfect in your weakness. The word weakness, asthenia, is a Greek word. It literally means an inability To produce results. Right? They say you cannot build a strong big church and ministry unless you have an hour and 15-minute service and you don't really talk about the blood of Jesus and you don't, you know, you, you don't mention hell. And all this stuff, and you don't really preach the word too strong, you know. You just, you just, you can, you can gather large amounts of people if you just don't do that. But I can't do it any other way. But it doesn't matter, because his strength is made perfect in my inability to produce results. Well, my pancreas just doesn't work. I don't have the ability within myself for, for my blood sugar to stay at the right level because I just, I don't have that ability. Oh, don't, that's okay. Because his strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Does that make sense? Well, my cells are, are twisted and freaking out and they say I have this thing called cancer. Well, and I have an inability within myself to get cancer out of my body, it's okay. I've got good news. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. Well, what is God's strength? His grace. Everything he's given to us, he's given to us by his grace, and we simply receive it through faith. So Paul is saying here, this is an example of being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Look at what it says here. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul responds to the Lord and says, Most gladly then, isn't this awesome? Most gladly therefore will I glory in my infirmities. I will glory in my inability to produce results. Why? that the power of the anointed one, Christ, and his anointing may rest upon me. When I come to God and say, Father, my children, I have no ability to get them back doing the right thing. And I rejoice in that because I know you can. So now, because I simply believe that, I'm no longer weak because now I'm strong in the Lord. If there's anything that you don't have the ability in your own self to do, rejoice. And as a matter of fact, as you grow in the Lord, you learn, hey, you know, why don't I just rejoice and do everything in His ability? Right? This is the key. It says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness Most gladly, I'll I'll glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm not strong until I know I'm weak. I don't live until I die. I'm not first until I choose to be last. Right? I'm not a leader in the body of Christ until I choose to serve. You see how it's all, ups, it's all right side up from the world. See, guys, the Lord doesn't turn anybody's life upside down. All of our lives were already upside down. You come to Him like you are, and then He turns it right side up and makes you like Him. That's how it works. So now let's jump back we see a picture of this. Now let's go to verse 11, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, how do I do that? Verse 11 will tell us. Put on. It's the Greek word enduo. It literally means Jesus told his disciples, don't after he came out of the grave, don't go anywhere. You, you know, he breathed on them, they got saved, and they said, "Now guys, I'm going to be leaving. Don't go anywhere and do anything. You go to Jerusalem and you wait until you be endued with power on high. That was on the day of Pentecost when they were endued with power. This is saying, put on, it's the same Greek word, enduo. Put on or allow to manifest upon you. Be endued with the whole armor of God. We learn that the armor of God is literally revealed Knowledge of God's word. Okay? The whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. God is saying you have to, as the literal Greek would say, allow the whole armor of God to manifest upon you as you continually draw from his power. And that will allow you to stand against, that means to stand face to face with the wiles of the devil. He's a deceiver. He'll try to sneak up on you. And when you have the word of God, he'll never be able to sneak up on you because the Holy Spirit will take the word of God and reveal it to you. Always show you things to come. We have a picture of it in the Old Testament. You know, where, where the enemy was coming against Israel and, and they would decide to attack a certain way and then God would tell the prophet and the prophet would tell the king and the army of Israel was waiting for them when they got, when the enemy came. Right? I mean, do you remember those stories? Yes. The enemy, see, God will keep the enemy face to face with you. He'll never be able to sneak up on you be, so that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil and we learn that this word wiles literally means to travel down one road one way okay satan comes against every one of us every human being that's ever lived one way and how he comes his name reveals it you've heard me say this before the wiles of the devil It's the word diabolos. Dia means to penetrate through to the other side of something. Abolos means blow after blow. So Satan comes against you and everybody else one way. He's doing something blow after blow after blow for the purpose of penetrating through something. We learn from other passages of scripture, he wants to penetrate your mind so that he could play mind games with you and confuse you. Because your mind is the control center, that's why God says your life will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how he does it, he throws thought after thought after thought. He will use people, he'll use circumstances, he'll use your own unrenewed mind to try to get you in the self-talk of destruction, but it's blow after blow. So we're gonna show you what he does okay so this paper they're going to hold paper and that's going to be your mind these yellow balls that i'm holding <laughs> the, these will represent thoughts my body's really hurting i i must i just i i, I must you know how how am i going to pay my bills i i'm i'm worthless All this stuff, and he just keeps blow after blow. He throws thoughts. Now it's he's trying to penetrate. And if you ever notice Satan, the thoughts will start out so subtle. But then they start getting more intense. They start just getting more intense. What are you gonna do here? All this stuff that just they're getting more intense, right? Blow after blow after blow. And if you ever see, if you're not ready for this be endued with the whole armor of God that you could see so far I've stood against it I've taken all those thoughts captive but if I if I don't have the word first place and all of a sudden this sense of unworthiness I'm walking in because I messed up I kind of I didn't treat my wife very nice I, I I really didn't I didn't, I didn't do what I thought I should do, and I'm just not feeling very righteous. I, I'm feeling unworthy, and what's happening, I'm starting to look at myself outwardly. I'm, I'm, str- I'm starting to define who I am outwardly because I'm messing up, and I just okay, I just keep messing up, and Satan's throw off blow after blow. Yeah, because you're an idiot, and you've messed up so many times. It's too late, and, 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 you know, and now you're facing the sickness, and it's going to get worse because you're such a bad person. And if you don't stay built up in the word, it'll penetrate through your mind. And then he'll get in there and start playing games. And this is what he does. Keep, go ahead and keep that up. So then when he penetrates, he loves this one. Have you ever had this happen? Or is it just me? When he penetrates, you start to wonder, well, maybe... Maybe healing isn't for today. Maybe I'm just going to lose all this stuff. I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to pay my bills? What happens if I die? What happens about all this stuff? And he just keeps throwing them. Doesn't he? So when we talk about standing in faith, do you want to try to, in your own ability, stop all that stuff? See, Satan knows what got your great-grandfather your great-great-grandfather, your grandfather, your dad, and he's going to be fishing. He knows every mistake you've made. He's been playing this deceptive game forever, and his goal is for you never to know that there is no unworthiness in you. You have been justified. You have been declared righteous. God, as we learned in the men's Bible study, we're going through the book of Romans, in chapter four, we're going to see it next Tuesday, God only justifies, he only declares righteous one class of person, the ungodly. Man, did that make me happy. He doesn't declare righteous the goody guy who never made any mistakes, because you know what? The guy, there's nobody who never made any mistakes. You can see if you're strong in the Lord, he can't get through. So let's keep going with this. Do you see that? You're going to be saying, man, Pastor Tony actually didn't... I thought maybe he'd throw water bottles at that thing. I don't know, you know? (laughs) So let's go on with this. So verse 12, here's a big key to standing in faith. That you may stand against the wiles of the devil why verse now we're going into verse 12 for we wrestle not in other words we don't wrestle against flesh and blood we don't wrestle against flesh and blood i could stand up here for the next 12 hours and say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and say it over you've never wrestled against flesh and blood now how many of you have ever had anybody do you wrong guess what even when that person did you wrong you weren't wrestling against that person there was something behind that person have you ever done anybody wrong yeah i have to raise my hand i i don't like the fact but in my past i've had to raise my hand thank god that sin's gone But but really did I do them wrong? Was were they wrestling with flesh and blood? No, it was what was behind it. The enemy. To stand against the wiles of the devil, you gotta realize, and this word wrestle, the people of Ephesus would have known what it is. They didn't have WWF wrestling the way we have it, you know, where some 275-pound guy full of muscle literally punches some guy in the throat and the guy gets back up like nothing happened. Yeah, no, that doesn't happen in real life. You get punched in the throat and you're dead, right? <laughs> so, but this wrestling that they had back then, like one of the wrestlers, we know this from history, they would wrap their hands in leather with leather straps and they'd have 6-inch nail spikes in between each thing and it'd wrap all the way up their arms and they're coming. It was a wrestle, it was a it was a man to man battle to the death you won because you were alive so in other words paul is saying this battle satan's not coming to make your life a little miserable he wants you off the planet in a way that shows that jesus isn't real right but the problem that satan has is he can't touch your spirit and you have complete authority over him, and you have the word of God and literally all of heaven backing you up. You even have angels that kicked him, his butt, out of heaven. Those very angels are at your disposal. So the only way he's got to get into your mind so that he can talk you into the fact that you're this lowly worm, you're this sinner, 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 saved by grace. Focus on the sinner part. Right, so that you never know who you are because if you ever know who you are, he can't touch you. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle, see, there's a spiritual, there's the unseen, wicked, evil spirits that we wrestle against and how we do it is those are the little guys that are throwing the thoughts. They're assigned against you. And they can't figure out when they know your bank account's empty and they know you got all these bills coming and they're throwing a million thoughts at you That, and then all you're doing is walking around smiling, going, Father, I thank you that all my needs are met. Oh, you're so good. And then they see tears coming out of your eyes and and they're like, is this person an idiot? What, what, they don't understand that. And then all of a sudden, provision comes, and the need's met, and they're like, Whoa. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. you got to understand this in the, in, the, in the operation of faith. This is huge to stand in faith. The number one reason that we get so distracted is, see, have you ever noticed Satan will get you fighting a battle that's not the battle? He'll get you mad at your wife, mad at your husband, mad at your boss, mad at anything, but that's not the battle. It's it's the unseen that's behind it. And it says here, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Well, what's the evil day? Well, what is it? Today, it's, it's May 15th. I'll prophesy. Tomorrow, to be May 16th, right? It's every day, the evil day. It's, it's the day you're living in because Satan's coming, right? But it says, just take the whole, allow the armor of God to manifest upon you so that you can stand. Be strong. God's saying, be strong in me. To stand in faith, you've got to stand in my strength. In my strength. And then he says, this is the big thing right here. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. It changed verses, but it's, it's a letter. There was, in the Greek, there's no verses. Having done all to stand, stand. The reason why you and I don't stand when we face something is because we haven't done all to stand. Well, what is having done all to stand? We're going to see. The Word of God tells us exactly what we do to stand, what we need to do to stand. It says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, Paul was imprisoned when he was writing this letter. He was probably spent most of his time chained to a Roman soldier. So he's saying, what's truth? The Word of God. Have your loins girt about with the Word of God having on the breastplate of righteousness. See, when you understand that you've been declared righteous, it will guard your heart like a breastplate. Right? And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This, the, your feet are shod With the preparation, that Greek word means the firm foundation of the gospel, the good news of peace. It's the Greek word irene. It means health. It means wholeness. It means protection, prosperity, welfare. It means everything that is good. You want your feet having a firm foundation or in other words, when you walk or while you're standing... In this case, you're standing with my feet on the firm foundation of God's word. Right? That's what he's saying right here. And then it says here, above all, in the Greek it would be in front of all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to withstand all the fiery darts. Now to us, they were yellow tennis balls. But the shield of faith literally causes that ball to not bounce off your mind. It bounces off the shield of faith. How that looks is you walk around and a thought hits your mind and you're like, it is written. The thought comes to your mind. Brent, you can't do that. And then comes out of your spirit, it is written. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what it does is that's your shield of faith. It just that, that thought bounces off. You take it captive. And then it says, and now it tells you the only offensive weapon that you have, all the rest of it is just protection. But the offensive thing that you have, it says here the shield of faith will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation. What would that be? The renewed mind. You renew your mind with the word of God and you know, you see yourself having, being, and doing what God's word says. Take the helmet of salvation, and here's the weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Wow, I love that. And now, once you take all that, now you're ready to pray. All this armor is so that you could pray always with all the Amplified says, which is in the Greek, all manner of prayer and supplication stirred by the Spirit and watching thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is how it works. You have to prepare to stand. Go over to Matthew chapter 7. I want you to see an example of this. Matthew chapter 7. Hallelujah. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, what does it say? It says, Matthew 7, 24, "'Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine "'and doeth them not, or I'm sorry, and doeth them, "'I will liken him unto a wise man "'which built his house on a rock. "'And the rain descended, the floods came, "'the winds blew, and beat upon that house, "'and it fell not, why?' Because it was founded on a rock. Well, how was it founded on the rock? The person heard God's word and did it. Now it goes on to say, and everyone that heareth these sayings of minds and, and doesn't do them, notice they're still hearing, but they're not doing, Right? shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Type of the sand would be the world system. And the rain descended. Notice the same floods, the same weather came to both houses. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. See, you're going to have wind, rains and floods. You're going to have them. They're coming. If you're not in one now, you're going to have one. So if you'll notice here, the difference in whether the house stood or fell was what the person put in themselves before the storm ever came. They having done all to stand, they're standing. So now look at another example, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, 2. See, these messages, I'm telling you, they're designed to build strength in you. This is not rocket science. If it was, I wouldn't be doing it. It says in Isaiah 43, 2, it doesn't say if you pass through the waters, it says when. I will be with you. It's impossible for you to go through the water without God to be with you. He won't ever leave. He's always there. And, and through the river, rivers. Not if you go through the rivers, no, When. So this talks about, if you see this, this is a progressive thing. Right? When they shall not overflow you. Why? Because he's with me. When you walk through the fire, not if, what does it say? Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior Isn't that good news? Let's look at another example. Let's go over to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 4. We're a full service church. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What's the valley of the shadow of death? It's the earth. We're all walking through. This is the most dangerous place you will ever live. But Satan's time is about up. Jesus is coming back, and it's going to be glorious. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod, your staff comforts me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The principalities, the powers, and every time they're throwing thoughts, I'm just saying, hey, give me some some of my... Healing, Give me some of my peace. Give me some strength. It's all on the table for me. And then look at what it continues to say. You anoint my head with oil. So now, not only do I have all the provision that I need in this, he's with me, but now he's anointed me. The very anointing of God, the person, the divine person of the Holy Spirit is living within me and he's upon me. And because of the anointing that is upon my life, my cup runs over. That means I don't ever have just enough for me. I have more than enough. It runs over. So I never have. See, as I'm pouring it to give to others, it's being poured into me. I never, my cup runs over because the anointing never leaves me. Do you see this? This is huge. So now, how? How? Do I do this? How do I put on the whole armor of God? I'm I'm really glad you asked that question. So go to Proverbs chapter 4, and it'll tell us exactly how you put the armor on. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Oh, this little simple sermon can change your life. I would encourage you, go back, outline this. Get it, mark these scriptures in your Bible. They're uh, actually the ones we've been talking about. They're probably already marked, right? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. It tells us right here, My son, attend to my words. Put my word first place. Incline your ears to my sayings. Give my word your undivided attention. Listen this is what satan does he tries to distract you did you notice in mark 11 verse 22 through verse 25 or verse 26 it gives us the greatest teaching concise teaching on how to walk by faith jesus said have the faith of god to his disciples Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. And now here is the distraction. But when you pray, forgive if you have aught against anyone. Why would you need to forgive someone? Why, or let me ask, let me say it right. Why would you walk, why would you have unforgiveness towards somebody? Because you have been deceived into thinking that you're wrestling against flesh and blood, not against the principalities and powers. And it will stop your faith from working. Galatians 5 6 tells us what? Faith works by love. So this is why God said, When you stand praying, you got to forgive if you have ought against anybody because if you don't forgive, then your Father, which is in heaven, won't forgive you. And see, when we sin, it doesn't, for us as a Christian, it doesn't, I don't, I'm no longer a child. It it doesn't make me to where I'm not a child of God. It doesn't break my relationship with God. It breaks my fellowship because he doesn't fellowship with sin in the mix. So that's why why 1 John 1, 9 is written, for us if i if i confess my sin before god see jesus already paid for it if i say about my sin what god says about it father what does god say about it It, first of all he says it's sin so father hey i told a lie and i confess that lie before you i I acknowledge that it's sin but i also confess it before you i acknowledge that two thousand years ago you condemned that sin in the body of jesus my lord i'm still confessing my sin And now, Father, according to 1 John 1, 9, I receive your forgiveness for all of my sins. I receive your cleansing from all my unrighteousness. And now fellowship is restored instantly. Relationship is never broken, and now fellowship's there too. So this is why you have to walk in love. Faith works by love. So that tells me Satan is going to try to get you looking at circumstances or people so that you start thinking, you're wrestling not against you know principalities and powers, but you're. Do you see the deception? You never wrestle against people. People are never your problem. And if you want to walk in faith, let me finish with this: you have to walk in love. You have to walk in forgiveness. Now, you might be sitting there going, well, I forgive everybody who's wronged me. Okay. You know the number one person that I had to forgive? Me. Most people live their life and they never forgive themselves. And oh, yeah. I mean, they'll forgive people who've hurt them. Now, some people have been hurt so bad and it's hard for them but God will help him. But guys, all of us, you have to forgive yourself. God forgave you. If you go talk to him about your past mistakes and all this stuff, he's going to be like, what are you talking about? The all-knowing God would say, what are you talking about? It, it doesn't exist. Old things, Tony, old things passed away. I don't even know what you're talking about. Everything's new and everything's of me. If you could see your spirit right now, your spirit's in your body right now, hungering after God. But if your mind is just feeding on a bunch of nonsense, you won't even know it. So, but if you start feeding on this, see, how do I stand in faith? I prepare to stand. I want to encourage you, take time after we dismiss this week. Go to the Lord. You know, if you're just ask him to help you in this area. He'll lead you into forgiving yourself. He'll lead you out of guilt, condemnation, shame, all of it. Because see, all of it was taken care of by Jesus. And you could stand in faith and receive everything. See, every one of us here have major fruit in this earth, major fruit in this area, or wherever we go. God wants you to walk in your freedom so that you can stand in faith. So tonight we talked about preparing to stand. We're going to go on and we're going to spend some time as long as the Lord leads us. And we're going to go through some principles of how to stand in faith. But this is how you prepare to stand. Amen?